is Let Your Voice Be Heard, right here on WHCR 90.3 FM, the voice of Harlem. So, speaking of wrecking balls, we're going to start the show off talking about how Donald Trump has wrecked the GOP. Now, that may be debatable. We have a very special (laughs) guest who I will introduce in just a few moments. Let me give you some context on why we decided to start this segment off with Miley Cyrus's wrecking ball. Because if you ask me, I could see Donald Trump like sitting on that ball and just coming pounding right into the Republican Party. (laughs) And now we see the results. Grabbing it by the... Right. Except for he wasn't naked. Like Molly Cyrus was. Okay, so, you know, as I've been saying, we're going to start the conversation, start the show by talking about the deep divide and the GOP. As we know, we are in the home stretch of what may go down as the weirdest election in U.S. history. Both presidential candidates have remarkably high, unfavorable ratings, but only one has proven himself to be xenophobic tax evading, a misogynist, and he happens to appeal to the KKK. Now, back in August, we here on Let Your Voice Be Heard talked about how Trump's candidacy has also given rise to the racist, sexist, anti-immigrant, anti-Semitic pocket in the Republican Party known as the alt-right. We had a good show. You remember that, Alyssa? Yeah, it was a good show. It was. So in addition to seeing this ugly side of politics, the election has caused severe damage inside of the GOP party, which has a very tortured relationship with its own nominee, to say the least. So on one hand, even though Trump has... Uh, been renounced by Republican leaders like Senator John McCain, um, Paul Ryan, etc. It almost helps him in a way because it sort of um, positions him as that anti-establishment candidate, which a lot of voters in the GOP um, find to be very appealing. But, you know, when he's tweeting at Paul Ryan and taking shots at, you know, John McCain and doing other things, it it shows that, you know, this is not the same uh, Republican Party we once saw. This is no longer the party of Ronald Reagan. Now, it also seems to be a party of predominantly white nationalists and uneducated white folks who are supporting Donald Trump. Now... There are still a lot of GOP members who are a part of the Republican Party because of, you know, their views on economics and smaller government. But from, you know, my experience, my readings, I find that some of them feel like they don't want to be connected to Donald Trump because of his inflammatory language. It is also so Donald Trump's candidacy has also put congressional Republicans in a bit of a bind, too, because on one hand, you have um, about two thirds of GOP voters saying that they will continue to support Donald Trump, even despite his comments about grabbing women by the genitals. And then you have um, and then but in the same token, on the same hand, um, some of them are saying they don't they're scared to go against Donald Trump because they have he's has so much support. And then the, th- the ones that do go against him um, find that, you know, sometimes it can go either way with their constituents, whether they support him or not. So experts on top of that, experts say that whether or not Donald Trump miraculously wins the White House, I personally don't think that he will, according to polls. But if he does, he may have, you know put a stain on the Republican Party forevermore. And he will 
reshape what it means to be a Republican. But if he loses, it seems like the Republican Party may just come crashing down because he's a wrecking ball. So we have <laughs> a very special guest who I will now introduce. Thanks for explaining the wrecking ball thing. <laughs> it's really helpful. What? What? I don't, I don't. What do you mean by no, I'm that? I'm just teasing you, Selena. Okay. Anyway, so we have John Burnett, who is a Republican strategist. He's an entrepreneur. He's also a former candidate for the New York City Comptroller. He's a Harlem resident and, FYI, a contributor to Black Enterprise Magazine. Welcome to the show, John. Thank you. So after such a <laughs> wrecking ball type of <laughs> intro before the intro, right, right. Well, <laughs> it, it went on theme. It went on theme here. So, you know, we brought you in here because we want to talk about to assassinate. Um, no, no, not not to assassinate. We're going to no, be no, very no. fair. Is there a wrecking ball behind me. <laughs> Come on, possibly, possibly. No, I'm just kidding. So, um, you know, we brought you here to sort of um, explore the questions of where will the GOP go from here and can it survive? We know you are uh, you know, Republican strategist. You are also a black man for people who just happen to be listening. So your perspective is extremely valuable um, and unique in this conversation. So I wanted to start by sort of just asking, you know, when and how did this open rift between Donald Trump and the Republican Party begin? I think the... The riff actually is with the type of policies that have been implemented over the last, you know, uh, I'd say for quite some time, but specifically over the last eight years in terms of the lack of growth, the lack of new trade deals that are more advantageous to the U.S. economy, specifically the U.S. worker. So, you know, Donald Trump has been talking about, you know, the trade deficits that we've been running uh, for quite some time. Uh, I think there was a video on YouTube back then in the late 80s uh, when the trade deficit was approximately $140 billion. Now it's $800 billion. So when you continue to have that type of economy, the people that actually hurt the worst are the everyday working people, whether you're a white suburbaner or someone uh, in the inner cities. Right. So, so how did that, you know, so, I mean, so, okay, so basically to get back to the rift and the fact that, you know, he, Paul Ryan has pretty much said that he will not be supporting or defending, you know, Donald Trump. And, you know, there's a lot when it comes to like the well, rift. Actually, he, he, he is voting for him, just like uh, Congressman Chaffetz originally said that he was voting, then he said he wasn't voting, okay. and now he's back to I voting. I thought that he so, was now voting for Mullins, the last I heard. Well, no, actually. they don't no, have no. a backbone, so they flip-flop. No, no, he's he's actually voting. No, I mean, you know, Trump did say some, uh, as you pointed out in your intro, uh, he did uh, make some inflammatory comments yes. 10 years ago that disturbed everyone on both, sides, on both sides of the aisle. But with that said... You know, as more and more information is coming out with respect to Hillary, Hillary Clinton and her campaign, you know, it's causing some people to go back and forth. And I think there's a lot of people, even even independents, are confused between the two. You know, if, if there was such a clear choice in this race, 
she would be up substantially in the polls, and we see that the polls are going up and down like the stock market on both sides. But yeah, they are. They're going between 25-point lead <coughs> to a 20-point lead. That really depends <coughs> what polls you're looking at. And, right. like, I mean, I'm a political scientist by trade before I even became a lawyer, and so you have to be able to weigh polls and rate polls. And right. that's what <coughs> Nate Silver at 538 does such a good job of, which is providing both, you know, like the now cast, which is just looking at the polls unweighted versus looking at the polls. I mean, the latest polls that have come out show that – you know, she's way ahead. But, I mean, I know we're not really here to talk about Hillary Clinton, well, so well, I don't want to spend... Ahead? I'm just curious. I mean, like, the latest tracking poll shows her 12 points up. N- nonetheless, we're not here to talk about Hillary Clinton. We're here okay. to talk about the divide which in the Republican Party. And I think this has been a long time coming because you have a situation where you have two different types of interests in the Republican Party. You have people who have money and corporate interests in a party with lower-income white people who, are generally speaking, come from the South that are interested in issues of social importance such as gay marriage, abortion, guns, and now you're trying to put these two groups together and you have these disaffected white people that don't like trade deals. I mean, that like they, they're against trade deals. They've come out against trade deals. And That's then they fundamentally have, inaccurate. And then because they have, because we're for trade deals. No, right? I didn't people, say you. I'm I didn't I'm say, say you. Even though they're for trade deals. No, they're not. But, but Trump trade deals, are but, not for but trade, trade deals. deals but trade deals on, uh, that benefit the American worker, even union workers, like the one that George so, Bush so, so that's in, negotiated that's that Bill Clinton signed, like the NAFTA trade deal. No, you well, you know, he didn't have to sign it. He yeah, you're right. But it. a Republican didn't negotiate that deal, and it was pretty much finalized. And Clinton came in and signed it. And Trump has been very critical of that deal. Right. So what you're saying is that George. Bush I mean, many people have been critical of that deal, as they should. Yes, yes. So here's my uh, just just like they're critical of TPP, which Obama is presenting. Yes, which, which would actually be. Ten times worse than NAFTA. According to what? So here's here's my issue over here. According can, to I analysis, can, I can walk and chew gum at even, the same time. Even Bernie Sanders, of- even Bernie Sanders, have come out against that. And Bernie Sanders had a huge millennial following, as you had mentioned in your intro. So, John, I so, have an issue so, so, over here. So, I can walk and chew gum. I don't think the Republican Party can. First, let's do one okay. thing. This is not a policy thing. This is a race thing. The Republicans, the reason they're, they're imploding right now is because when Nixon ran for president, they embraced a southern strategy which meant they were going after racist white Democrats, Dixiecrats, who left the Democratic Party because what of affirmative action. What year are you talking this about? This is 1969, 1970. Well, let's go back so, to 1964. Just a second. Just a second. Just a, just a, just a second. Okay. So now they went over there. Ronald Reagan embraced this southern strategy and used dog whistle politics. And since then, every single Republican has used coded language and push policies that have been not good for poor people, but have painted the Democrats as the devils. The last eight years, we have seen the Republican Party paint Obama as this antichrist and horrible human being. So Donald Trump is pretty much just what you would get when you tell your base every single day for, what, 30-some years that the devil is on the other side. Now, when we're talking about the trade deals, not that it was negotiated by George Bush. Bill Clinton did not need to sign it, but he did. And we didn't hear any Republican complaints about it until Donald Trump. Donald Trump says something something inflammatory every single day to say that there's not a clear difference between the two things between the two people is like saying whiskey and water are the same one's delicious no, and I said, one's I said there's, there's riff on both sides that, well, there's well, like a ton of, hold on, hold there's ton of inaccuracies in that statement hold but. on just to, just to bring it back <laughs> it's, just to bring the conversation back um, you know what oh, Stanley boy. has said you know actually did lead me to, to the next question because I wanted to pretty much examine how Donald Trump even um, gained so much popularity um, I mean when we think about what the Republicans have been saying they particularly don't like him he seems to feed off of their fodder and continue to have built his base and you know what Stanley just said is he was able to do this because 
of his inflammatory remarks and the fact that he's feeding into a lot of fear, propaganda, racism, xenophobia. Now, do you let's agree or spe- disagree? Let's talk specifics. I mean, there's been a lot of things thrown out there. And before we go into that, I just want to address one comment that he, that he made. I have to because, because it's fundamentally false. When you go back to uh, 1957, that was the time when the first civil rights bill was presented under a uh, Republican president, Eisenhower. Lyndon Bain Johnson, President Lyndon Bain Johnson, was head of the Senate. He pushed it back down into the racist Democratic senators who stripped it of the, of the voting rights and other things. And when it came back up, it was, it was virtually worthless. Then later on in 1964, the same racist, mm-hmm. the same person that was part of that strategy, Southern strategy that you mentioned, mm-hmm. actually signed the Civil Rights Bill. Um, so, so you give so, me so, 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 so I'm following that sa- in that same vein. You you went to 1968, 1969. I'm just going back a little bit further, talking about Lyndon Bain Johnson. So, 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 so the point here is. That there are issues on both sides of the aisle, and and, and the urban community oftentimes engages into the type of divisive type of comments and commentary on both sides instead of invoking a strategy and an agenda for both sides, whether Republican or Democrat gets into office that empowers our people. We're accepting we're accepting an agenda that's always given to us. You give some really great talking points. I got to compliment you on that. And you do a great job of spewing garbage into sensible stuff. You are absolutely correct with that history lesson that LBJ did push back the first the original civil rights bill of 1957. And ended up signing it. Yeah, absolutely. And a racist. No. Eisenhower and Lyndon, signed it. And, and, so, I, and so actually, John, Malcolm what, X, so John, what I'm for the listeners, they need, they need to so Google John, on YouTube. John, what I'm going to say, do, Google do, on YouTube, right, Political Chumps guys, by Malcolm, really by Malcolm X to, to really understand the history. Here. So, John, what I need you to do is, we, so we have this thing on the radio when one person is speaking, the other one isn't. So right. I need you to follow that rule. I know it's difficult. Republicans don't like logic, but we have to follow well, this you right gotta now. Spit, you got to spit so facts. So here's what we're doing. Here's what we're going to talk about right now. So mm-hmm. you're absolutely right. LBJ did push back on that right. bill in 1957. In 1965, he signed a bill that was negotiated by Democrats and Republicans. Was it a perfect bill? No. Was it a bill that was helpful? Yes. Have Republicans fought the pushback ever since then? Absolutely. And did d- Democrats lead the Democratic Party because of the bill and go to the Republican Party because they were more sympathetic to their racist feelings? Absolutely. And since then, have we seen a large influx of more racist people hanging with the Republican Party, including I don't know, Breitbart or the KKK or the David Dukes? Or what now we've the seen Trumps? is that what we've seen, so have we not are, seen are, are, are tons of policies, liberal policies that claim to empower black people, but have since that time destroyed black people. Even the 94 crime bill. And, uh, and a ton of other bills that 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 at the time black leaders let a lot of this legislation pass through. And now we're looking back 20 years later, 22 years later, and saying that, you know what, that decimated our community. So, again, there are issues on both sides of the aisle. The issue here is that blacks need to imp- need to come together in, in, in terms of the intellectuals and, and, and craft the policy and, agen- and an agenda that's created by ourselves and not by either side. We're going to have to leave it there because we do need to go to a quick break, but don't go anywhere. We'll continue the conversation about the Republican divide right here on Let Your Voice Be Heard. Jesus, the notorious just 
And we are back. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard right here on WHCR 90.3 FM. When we walked in, it was really hot. <laughs> and I think that it was just an omen that hell was about to rise in the studio. Hey, th- that's what happened. So, guys, um, when we left off of break, uh, we were talking about the Civil War in the GOP. We have with us in studio very special guest, John Burnett, who is a Republican strategist and entrepreneur and also a former candidate who ran right here in New York City for the comptroller position. So, you know, we wanted to pretty much uncover why there is a split in the GOP um, right now. And, you know, this is something that they have admitted. I mean, Donald Trump has said it himself. Like, there's a divide. He is very anti-establishment, especially when it comes to people like Paul Ryan and other Republican leaders. So, you know, we talked about how this happened. Obviously, we have extremely different viewpoints and perspectives, but somewhere, somehow, I think we could be able to find common ground. Um, you know, I wanted to now talk about if uh, 2016 and the rise of Donald Trump kind of symbolizes some type of uh, paradigm shift for Republicans. I mean, he is a very different type of Republican. I'm going to throw that question at John. Alyssa can answer um, following, and then we'll go to Stanley in that order. Yes. What's your specific question? Yes. Is there, does Donald Trump represent a paradigm shift? Is he, you know, he's a different type of Republican. Is he shifting the Republican Party at all? Your thoughts on that? Well, I think he's, he's challenging not only the Republican Party, but he's challenging the status quo and how we're operating as a country. And I think there are certain factions within the Republican Party, as well as the Democratic Party, and, and the political system in, in, in its entirety that are pushing back on this because he's going to remove move a lot of people's cheese throughout the entire system. So I think people are pushing back. He's threatening to expose a lot of things. And I think that's a threat to both sides. And I think when you look at uh, the, the, the following that he's able to amass, that is similar to what Bernie Sanders was able to do. He was speaking to those individuals that felt disenfranchised, felt that the system was rigged against them. So I think when you look at it, even though they're on opposite sides of the spectrum, they both tapped into that spirit. Now, the difference here is that uh, Donald Trump is not caving in to a lot of the establishment requests, although Bernie Sanders did. So I think if Bernie Sanders, in following that same vein, if he would have continued down that path to try to steer things the way, you know, toward his vision then I think you'd see the same elements on the other side of the aisle. Alyssa? Right. I mean, listen, I just think that, like, this uh, I, this is, Donald Trump is what has grown out of the Fox News and the Breitbart and, uh, and Drudge Report and all these things. I mean, listen, even, let, let's talk for a second, right? David Brooks, okay? David Brooks is one of the most conservative writers that the New York Times has. He has an article out today that addresses this directly. He said that dominant conservative voices had tried to win appeal to people by the millions. In order to do that, they had to use mass media and they had to perpetuate hysteria and appeal to simple-mindedness and in doing so they found their mass right-wing audience and what they did on the other side though is they made themselves offensive to people who value education and and so what has happened is is in search of going down this market-based thing and this is coming from david brooks not even from me 
they ended up getting swallowed up by their own anti-intellectual media complex. And that's what he says. He says, quote, from Beck to Palin to Trump. And that's why Hillary Clinton is winning amongst white college graduates by 52 percent, because this is exactly what has grown out of the anti-intellectualism wing of the Republican Party. Now, that is not to say there are not smart and intellectual people that still consider themselves Republicans and still value the free market and still value small government. But the problem is those people, people like yourself, you guys are in a really small boat compared to a large group of people that are now being targeted by the Republican Party that are not intellectual. I mean, Donald Trump admitted it. He basically said that he loves the undereducated. He loves the stupid people. Why? Because stupid people are easier to control. And that just speaks to this divide that's going on in the Republican Party. And even, like I said, David Brooks, who's super conservative and an intellectual, recognizes that there is a gap between the intellectuals in the Republican Party who value the free market and value small government and people in the Republican Party who have followed Trump down this road to mass right-wing hysteria. And that is a big problem for the Republican Party going forward, even after this election, and especially if Trump loses, which he's likely to do. Stanley, and then we'll go to the caller. Yeah, so we do have a call on the line, so I'll try to be quick. Um, I think Alyssa hit the nail on the head right there. The Republican Party has been fermenting and kind of like flirting with this this extreme right fringe group for years and is Donald Trump is pretty much what you get after you spend years saying that the government is trying to take your guns, that the president of the United States is a Kenyan Muslim who is not really a U.S. citizen. When you say that legislation will destroy lives, this is this is what you're going to get. So this isn't a, a coming. This isn't the coming to Jesus moment for the Republican Party. This isn't some big difference. The only problem that I think Republicans really have with Donald Trump is that he's saying all this stuff out loud and he's not sticking to the usual dog whistle politics. Because if you looked at other Republican candidates, they've said things along these lines they said it a lot nicer and a lot smarter i think the biggest issue here is that the establishment the people who are supposed to be the intellectuals they're standing by trump the paul ryans who are supposed to be the thought leaders they're standing by him and they're still voting for him even though it's very clear he doesn't have a plan so when when and hopefully when the republicans lose on November 8th, where Donald Trump loses, and hopefully by a large amount, we are going to have a lot of problems because the same people the Republicans have been fermenting for years are now at full growth and they're ready to start some serious issues. We're going to talk about that after this caller who would like to let their voice be heard. Who do we have online? We have Gregory. Gregory? Yes, good afternoon. This is Greg. Can you hear me? Yes, we we can can hear hear you. you. Okay, I was a little stay. I was really a little uh, peeved before uh, Stanley's... Just stole a itty bitty of my thunder. Stop, thief! <laughs> no, you know what it is. You know what? They're right. Donald Donald's right, and he's t- because of the fact that he talks about uh, ignorant people and people who don't don't seem to really get it. You know, he plays on that. And is there if there's any black folks listening? You, if Donald gets in there, you black vote. You black people have voted him in there because of the simple fact that you were so so strung out on the Democrat, 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 that you did not look, open your eyes and look at there's other uh, uh, options, you know. And what happened is now you get down to less itty bitty, and this is all you have. These are the only choices you have. When you could have been supporting, you could have been supporting other candidates all the time, nominating other people and, and, and funding other people. This is what you get. Thank you so much, Gary, for uh, calling in and letting your voice be heard on the topic. Um, you know, before we um, 
had that short little break, Stanley talked about the the anti-establishment base, which is rising. And I wanted to talk about that because should Donald Trump not win the election, we still have a strong break, a strong base and that strong faction growing within the party. And they seem like they're very hard to control. They're very hard to manage. And um, they're pretty significant. And also, you know, we've seen something like this happen when we had the Tea Party come in back in uh, 2008-2009 and they sort of took control and then because they were very a very loud voice in the Republican Party, they got a lot of their, a lot of their demands passed and a lot of their candidates elected in uh, con- um, congressional districts. Right, and it didn't even match with real conservatism. I mean, some well, of what them demands were, were passed. I mean, just some, curious. Well, when I speak of that, like, like John Boehner was pushed out, for example, is one thing that they that they happen to accomplish. But what I was going to say is, a lot of these Tea Party people don't even value. And John uh, Reed was pissed up. I mean, uh, don't even jive with real I mean, conservative values. I mean, it's small. Like you're talking about small government, and you have people in the Tea Party that are pushing policies that are not small government, and have a a, a total misunderstanding of what the difference is between small government and with with, with government being what in policies are they pushing. Like, for example, with respect to um, the uh, – I'm losing it. Uh, Okay, so this was not Congress, but I'll give you a perfect example. Like vaginal wands, like in in the context of OBGYN and women's health decisions. That's not small government. The government telling your doctor that they have to give you a procedure that you don't actually need is not small government at all. That's the government – I'm I'm saying a lot of the Tea Party people were pushing policies – like you asked me to give an example. A lot of Tea Party people were pushing policies that didn't match up with actual small governance. Nonetheless, conservative – But you can't name one. Okay. I just named one. Well, thank you for that example, (laughs) Alyssa. I do want to talk more about – that anti-establishment base, and I mean, well, do you think the anti-the anti-establishment base that Donald Trump is pretty much spearheading at this point is a problem for the establishment Republicans? I think I think it's going to cause uh, people to actually figure out if if he if he does win, uh, how do they work together? And I think the way to do that is to focus on common ground. I think there's more. More things that uh, that's on Donald Trump's agenda that people actually agree with on both sides than not. Like what? Uh, like you know, like you know, I'll I'll echo the words of the black congressional uh, leader of Texas. She's she since passed away, but back in the uh, mid '90s, her name is Barbara Jordan. No, but what and if she's what a, is let Trump let me, has? Don't interrupt me, bro. Let me finish. No, I'm just asking. Let me finish. So what she was saying in the mid 1990s is that illegal uh, immigration Mm -hmm. is actually destroying the low-skilled worker, especially in the inner cities. That was back then. Mm -hmm. And she's a proud member. She was a proud member of Delta Sigma Theta sorority. So she was a strong black woman in Congress that pointed that pointed that out clearly that there was an issue. And that was over 22 years ago. Since then, the problem has exacerbated and the issue doesn't want to be dealt with. So I think, you know, when you look back also on what Hillary Clinton said in 2008 when she was running against Obama, she also advocated for a wall barrier or some type of, you know, a strong stance on the border to stop illegal immigration. But it's only when when Donald Trump said it during this particular run that it's an issue. He so, said so, so, well, well, so, so some of the same things. And the, and, the, and the funny thing about it. People can actually Google this stuff, look at YouTube, 
and actually see right. that, that, that Hillary Clinton said a lot of the same things. John, we do have some callers on our line. I want to yeah. let Stanley respond and then get to the callers. Really quickly, and that's just one, well, that's just on, one example. Thank you. So, you know, John, I don't know if you searched through breitbart.google.com. It sounds like you do. Hillary did say she'd build a wall back then in 2008. She has since gone back and said that was Thank wrong. Thank you for the confession. Of co- not confession. It's <laughs> confirming a fact. So now, Donald Trump has promised to deport 11 million people. And then he said Mexico would pay for it. And then the Mexican president said they would not. No one agrees with that except for Donald Trump and people from the far right. However, we do have to get to a caller because we do have two callers on the phone, on the line who are pining to respond. So, Ms. Deborah, let your voice be heard. Hi. I just wanted to know, because most of what I was wanted to say to you has already been said by Stanley and the other uh, young ladies. What has Donald Trump promised you? He hasn't promised me anything. No, I mean, you're so dogmatic about your beliefs about this man. I mean, this man has, people say, oh, he's built this and he's built that. There are people who have built buildings for him. People used to say, oh, we know who they are. They're the ones who don't have the hard hats. This man could care less about you or anybody else. He only cares about himself. And I'm going to tell you something else. You don't have to agree with the people there in the studio. That's the fun part of not agreeing, debating, and and exchanging. But you're very disrespectful. And if you were on Fox 5, you wouldn't have gotten five seconds with your attitude. Thank you, Ms. Deborah. John will give you a chance to respond, not to the personal um, remarks or attacks, but just to the other things she said. Well, you know, the, the thing is, is that no one asked me who I was supporting from the very beginning. Um, I had three different options. However, you know, Donald Trump did win. And when you look at the Democratic side, there were other people wanting other options. Right. But this is what we have. These yeah, two. Why are in, you these, supporting Donald the, Trump? The, these two individuals. Why? And, and when I look at it, you know, I think Hillary will be more of the same. Um, the, the, the lovely caller that just called in, she had mentioned that, uh, in her opinion, Donald Trump only will only look out for himself. But when you look at the, the history of the Clintons, the, the foundation, the pay to play and all these things that are coming out and the WikiLeaks emails, the only thing that they want to talk about is how the emails were obtained, but not the content so of the information. So you're supporting so you, so, Trump because you well, don't want more of the Clintons? Well, is be, that pretty much it? Be, be, because, one, it's about, it's about strategy. No matter who wins, if Hillary wins, Donald Trump is actually an asset. He's the only one really talking about changing certain dynamics in the inner cities. The only one talking about that. Hillary hasn't really addressed that affirmatively. Would stop and this? Hold, hold on. No, no, I'm asking. I mean, there's certain issues on both sides. So, so stop and so, is a good solution? Okay. So, well, we can't... So I not, guess you guys can interrupt and I... Okay, no, I'm, I'm just asking a question. That's all. I, I, so I apologize I, I'm, for I'm trying to you. make a broader issue. You're trying, to, you're trying to stick to... Well, we can't really talk about stop and frisk. I don't... Donald Trump supports that's, that's that. Said, well, no, like, but I'm saying is Donald Trump first. does support... Donald stop Trump, Trump has no plans. The reason you can't answer this question... The reason I am answering the question. No, the reason you originally asked why it's about certain plans that you're Supporting. And instead of saying which plans you were supporting, you switched I, gears. You started talking about some black Republican woman down in Texas who was in a sorority. Am, the reason you couldn't answer that question is because I, Donald Trump has not one plan. Donald Trump's plans are build a wall. How are you going to do it? No idea. So, do this. How are you going to do it? No idea. That's why you can't answer the question. On, I mean, That's why you we're sound, talking about a black Republican good. down in Texas. Good. Because you can't answer the well, question guys, because I, there I, is no answer to the question. I was talking about immigration. So, so Oh, John, um, Selena. <laughs> All right, John, quickly respond. We do have a caller. So quickly Let's respond. get to the caller. 
Okay. Right. Have, I mean, this is what you, happens when you don't use facts, John. So I am guys, using we facts. Do have you Will actually confirmed it. Will, let your voice be heard. Hey, how you doing? What do you doing, you know, the, the low-wage work is, is affected by uh, immigration, illegal immigration. They're affected by outsourcing and by automation. We don't look at that as a, a real important factor, but it's a big factor. Um, the other thing about him tearing up the, uh, the Republican Party, see, he thought he would be well-received. His vision of himself is different than, you know, the 1% see him. He thought he was a part of that, and they embarrassed him in front of the world, and his family, everybody. You know, so he went on the hunt. Like, we are afraid he might do once he's in the presidency. That's one of his ticks. All right? That's his problem. Um, as far as the black community in this situation, I think if we put him in, I'm afraid he would appoint Giuliani as a attorney general, which would really mess us up legally, you know, with these cases we got going. And... Um, he would appoint people to the Supreme Court that might really mess things up. So we really have to be careful of that. We have to look at where we are as black people right now. I know we need an agenda, all right? But right now, 10 days away, that ain't going to happen. So we have to look at what we got now. Thank you so much, Will, for letting your voice be heard. Guys, if you're listening and you want to chime in, again, the number is 212-650-6903. Tweet us at BeHeard underscore radio. We do have to take a quick break, but we will come back and continue the conversation about the Republican divide, a.k.a. the Civil War in the GOP, right here on Let Your Voice Be Heard. Let's go. What up? What up, homie? And we <laughs> I feel like a black Republican facts I don't have. I'm standing here talking about things that make no sense. Just kidding. We are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM WH. See all the voice of Harlem. Selena's going to kill me. I'm going to throw it to her. Well, thank you for that, guys. So um, before we left off, we were speaking about the, the civil war within the GOP um, ever since Donald Trump's popul- popularity has skyrocketed. Um, so has pretty much this horrible relationship that he has with the establishment and the fact of the matter is once donald trump loses the election he's going to launch trump tv go on write some more books uh build some more buildings and continue to uh, make millions and billions of dollars probably without paying taxes that's debatable but right because he hasn't released his tax returns but besides that you know where has he left the Republican Party itself. We know that he has decided not to help fundraise for other congressional Republicans in the district, which is also, you know, another slap in the face. But um, before for the we last end, week or so of the of, of the well before of the general election, I just want to make sure that we bring clarity. Okay, he only gave that's an about fifteen thousand dollars last month. So oh, okay. Well, thank you the, for the, just the way providing that statement, the way that statement will be heard by listeners that he's not done anything during the entire election cycle. So I just want to make sure that we actually, when we say statements, that we actually tell it in the full truth. Okay. No, thank you for that. So, you know, I wanted to actually end by talking about where, what, well, actually, I'll get your predictions on um, what will happen after to the GOP after the 2016 election. Um, can they survive and actually thrive? Or do you think that this is something that's going to all fall, fall down? We'll start by um, throwing that question to John, then we'll go around in the panel. You know, I think, I think they'll, uh, they'll definitely have some things to, to talk about in terms of a party, in terms of messaging, in terms of coalescing. Uh, and I'm saying that if, if Hillary wins, the fact that Hillary's in the White House cannot be the only thing that coalesced the party. 
Right. It has to be a, a comprehensive strategy to address all issues. And, you know, there's been a lot of topics in this campaign that has been discussed uh, on both sides that, you know, again, in addition to black America establishing their own agenda, I think the Republican Party needs to establish not only an, an agenda, right, which it has on its platform, even criminal justice and other things are in there. But those things aren't talked about because, you know, in, in, in the general media sense, the only thing they want to cover are certain negative things in the WikiLeaks emails or certain things that Donald Trump said 10 years ago. And neither of which is really going to really talk about certain things that people need to get past, like jobs, education, criminal justice reform, and small business, no matter what color you are. Um, Alyssa? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, uh, speaking small, small businesses, Donald Trump surely likes to screw those people over. But anyways, I like I don't want to get into that. I want to address the divide itself and your question about whether or not this will be the end of the, the Republican Party. And I think there has to be one. I'll say there has to be a reckoning after the 2012 election. They realized that the demographics of the United States are changing and they're changing rapidly. And the Latino population is growing and the population of people of color are growing. And they needed to figure out a way uh, how to bring those people into the party and how to be the big tent party that they used to be. And this election has shown that they, I mean, for the most part, have not done a good job of doing that. Uh, you know, Donald Trump has alienated Muslims and Latinos and, you know, every uh, women and every other group under the sun. So they're going to have to, Republican Party is going to have to have a real reckoning about that. The second thing about that also speaks to the, the Gary Johnson movement, which is you have a lot of young conservative people that in the Republican Party or who were Republican Republicans and are now leaving the Republican Party to either become independents or join the Libertarian Party that are going to be voting for Gary Johnson. And they're going to be doing so because they believe in eth an ethnically diverse country. They believe that gay marriage isn't the, you know, ca is, isn't causing climate change. And they, you know, <laughs> they believe in, in, they may believe in small government policies and civil rights and fiscal conservatism, but they don't believe in a lot of the other things that now it seems that the Trump wing of the Republican Party believes. If you just look at some of the poll numbers right now like in a general election poll recently today Johnson is getting 6% of the vote if Trump was getting that 6% Trump right now so in that poll and that's an IBD tracking poll Clinton's at 44% Trump's at 42% and Johnson is getting 6% which means that if Trump was getting the 6% that Johnson is taking from him assuming of course those people are all Republicans and not some independents that's a big assumption which we're unsure about because it's <laughs> uncertain but it would still put Trump at 48% over Clinton's 44. He would be winning. If you look at the latest Florida poll, you have Gary Johnson taking 4% of the vote. If you look at the latest uh, Colorado poll, Ga Gary Johnson's getting 7% of the poll vote. In Arizona, he's getting 4% of the vote. In North Carolina, he's pulling 8% of the vote. In Pennsylvania, he's pulling 5% of the vote. If you add up all those numbers and you add those percentages to to what Donald Trump is doing, Donald Trump would be winning in all these swing states. Now, as John has pointed out, those there may be some of those people that are disaffected Hillary supporters that are voting for Gary Johnson. We don't know that. But generally speaking, if you're on the left, you're not going to be voting for Gary Johnson. You're going to be voting for Jill Stein for the most part. 
If you're an independent who's in the middle, in the center, you may be voting for Gary Johnson, but you are never voting for the Republican Party to begin with, so you don't count in that calculus. The fact of the matter is, is it's clear to me, as a political scientist, from looking at these poll numbers, that there is a great divide in the Republican Party and that there is an exodus of people that are leaving to vote for Gary Johnson. And we can debate or agree to disagree about whether some of those people may be disaffected Bernie supporters. But at the end of the day, if all if Gary Johnson's support was going to Trump, Trump would be winning this election. He's not. And that shows the divide right there. Stanley, what's going to happen to the GOP after the election? You know, I'm still half and half, but before I jump to that, I just want to mention a quick Alyssa did a couple weeks ago talking about a candidate in Utah who's beating both Trump and Hillary. He's from the Republican Party. He... He left, left the party and he's running his own campaign and now he's trying to build his own party in the image of what the old Republican Party used to be. Whatever that means, I'll let you guys decide for yourselves. But I think that is a sign of the times. I think a lot of people are frustrated with the Republican Party. They don't think they're a party of good, good ideas anymore. They don't think they've been that party for a long time. However, the Republican Party is a strong party. It has a lot of like intelligent people at the top who want to maintain the establishment. It has a lot of people who are dedicated Republican Party supporters. Sometimes they know why. Most times they don't. And then you have people who care more about their the inner lines of their pockets or just what gives them power than they do of actual passing policy. As long as you have those three sets of people, the Republican Party will still be there. Will it be as powerful as, or as formidable as it has been? I don't know, because in 2047, Latinos are going to make up the majority of the population in America. And so far, the Republican Party has done nothing but push them away. So this might be a coming, coming to Jesus moment for them. Who knows? So was 2008. So was 2012. Thank you, and thank you so much for that, Stanley. I just want to wrap up final words because we did exhaust all of our time. Uh, really quickly, I mean, the Republican Party has been here before. After uh, Barack Obama beat Mitt Romney um, in 2012, they came back to the drawing board. They said they're going to try to attract, you know, more Latinos, more LGBTQ people, um, and just broaden their base and diversify. And I think it's personally, it's a shame that they did not go that route. And you have someone at the head. You have Donald Trump who alienates these people by calling them drug uh, um, drug lords, by calling them rapists, bad hombres, and you know doing and saying things that are extremely inflammatory and just only speak to what I believe is the racist core and the ugly part of America. And I think that if we want to heal and we want to get past that, we need to stop using terms like that, and we do need to focus more on the policies and the plans. And for Donald Trump, if he did have some you know strong reform efforts um, in his platform, I would have rather heard that than him, you know, just speaking and just saying anything off the top of his mind that happens to offend someone. Um, so on that note, we do have to go on a quick break, but I want to thank John for joining us here on Let Your Voice Be Heard and having this discussion with us. Um, and on that note, we do, we are going to have a quick break, but don't go anywhere, guys. The show will continue right here on WHCR 90.3 FM, the voice of Harlem. <laughs> 